And welcome everybody to a special episode of the Animaniacast. Welcome, everybody, once again to the Animaniacast. Uh, this, of course, is the podcast that's dedicated to, well, Animaniacs, as well as other shows within the Rugerverse, like, oh, let's see, let's see, Freakazoid and Tiny Toon Adventures. Oh, yeah, and Pinky in the Brain, which is what we're talking about today with the wonderful folks over at the Pointcast. That's right, the Pointcast. I'm sure, listen, if you listen to this show... You probably already know about them. But if you don't, then why aren't you listening to them? It's a fantastic podcast that deals with every episode of the Pinky and the Brain spinoff series as well as focusing on the Pinky and the Brain segments of the Animaniacs reboot. They go deep diving into each episode and it's really a very informative and very fun podcast to listen to. And I highly encourage you guys to check it out. Subscribe to their podcast if you haven't yet already. Uh, they asked us, like, boy, I think we first talked about maybe getting on the podcast maybe back when we discussed the Halloween episode of Pinky and the Brain. And I don't even remember how long ago that was, but it was a while ago. And we, gosh, we we saw Snowball and we thought, oh, gosh, I, rec- I remember Snowball. Man, we should watch that episode. And they kind of put out that invite saying, well, if you want to come on the podcast to discuss it, we'd love to have you on. And wouldn't you know, well, years later, <laughs> probably years later, I think, uh, we're on it. It was a fantastic discussion. It's a little longer than most of our episodes are, uh, but I still think it's a great listen. And I hope you enjoy it and check out the podcast once again on uh, whatever podcast player you listen to. Uh, in our next episode here on the Animaniacast, we're going to be discussing the first episode of the Tiny Toons Luniversity show. I myself have not yet watched the first episode. I'm very curious to see whether or not I like it. I hope I do. Uh, but we'll be talking about that in our next episode. We'll also be discussing things that we liked about the Animaniacs reboot. Um, so if, you, you know, we don't want to leave the Animaniacs reboot kind of on a, a downer note <laughs> that I think we kind of did uh, in our last discussion. So we want to leave things on a positive note. So if you have uh, something to share that you really liked about the Animaniacs reboot, just give us the top thing, okay, that you really liked about the Animaniacs reboot. Uh, send us an email Send us uh, a Twitter or uh, Facebook or anything like that uh, message, and uh, we will share it out to the world. Uh, our email is animaniacast at gmail.com. And uh, we have, a, you know, we're also on all those social media things. All right. So uh, without any further ado, let's go ahead and get to our discussion with the podcast talking about Snowball. Gee, Pines, what do you want to do tonight? The same thing we do every night, Pluto. Talk about Pinky and the Brain. (laughs) 
and welcome to Pointcast, the podcast dedicated to the beloved cartoon characters Pinky and the Brain, as we chronicle their evolution episode by episode, from Animaniacs to their two spin-off series, and all the way to the Animaniacs reboot. My name is Mary Jo, but you may call me MGR Pines. And my name is Kelly, but you can call me Pluto. Today we will continue our discussion of the Pinky and the Brain spin-off as we delve into the ninth episode of the series, Snowball! But first, we would like to welcome our very special guests for this episode. One is a genius, the other is insane, and the other one's Larry. <laughs> <laughs> they are the hosts of the Animaniacast, so please welcome Joey, Nathan, and Kelly. Yay! Yay! Hi, hi. Hey. Right, we gotta figure out which one's which now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Larry. I, I think I'm the genius. Yeah, okay, I'll be genius. insane. There we go. <laughs> oh, I gotta add, I love how... Two of us are named Kelly. Yes, that's true. <laughs> Spelled differently. So it's a tale of two Kellys. <laughs> and of course, we spell it differently. Yes, of oh, course yeah. we do. That's true. <laughs> but that's uh, great to have you guys on here. We wanted to do this collab for a while. So this is really cool to have all of us Animaniacs geeks in one panel. Yes. The, the, all the infinity stones are now in place. <laughs> now we can truly conquer the world. <laughs> I am inevitable. I am the brain. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for having us on. Yes, it's been a, it's been a uh, you know yeah, like you said, it's something that's been in the works now for some time now. So I'm glad that we were able to finally get on. Yeah, likewise. Happy to have you here. Yep, happy to have you guys on. So now let's get this. Uh, let's get the show on the road, shall we? Alrighty, take it away, Pines. So Snowball first premiered on January twentieth, nineteen ninety six, on the WB. And Snowball has a story credit by John Loy. It was written by Wendell Morris, Tom Shepard, and Peter Hastings. It was directed by Audu Payton. Animation was done by Acom, and there is no title card for this episode. So the episode begins at Acme Labs as we pan from a cloudy window over to a book of superstitions, as Brain explains his latest plan to Pinky, in which they will utilize chain letters as a means to take over the world. And the message even includes this bizarre story of a prince being run over by dick dicks <laughs> and like the chance to receive a five hour shopping spree at the Piggly Wiggly. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, all these chain letters are just so silly. <laughs> yeah, and then he even shows the backward message of you will bow before the brain, which will trigger the right side of the brain to accept the message while sending out all the chain letters around the world to different people. So then Pinky also mentions his own backward message of Traws, which is <laughs> Zort spelt backwards, and thus is the birth of another great Pinky Tick. You're right. It started here. I forgot about that. That yeah. it was birthed here and they continued with it. <laughs> yeah, they just, it kind of stuck and I'm glad that it stuck. It was cute. Oh, right. <laughs> Traws! What is Traws? Why, that's Zort in a mirror. <laughs> Traws! So Pinky cheers, but he notices a pretty big flaw that sending all these messages will be quite expensive. But Brain already has this covered. He's like, already taken into account, Pinky, as he's gonna use the money from Acme Labs. <laughs> well, he's gonna like use money from Acme Labs to fund his scheme by acquiring stamp money from the government. So like <laughs> the government's gonna just pay for his scheme. <laughs> of course. Of course, taking advantage of little loopholes. <laughs> um, he even finds an envelope through this mail slot, and he kind of assumes that it's his, like, chain letter. No, he assumes that it's his stamp money. He's like, oh, hey, my stamp money's here. He opens it, and he finds that it's the exact same chain letter message. 
Except the backward message there is, you will bow before Snowball. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Braid is very uneasy with this development, and Pinky even mentions that he met somebody named Snowball. He's like, oh, I met a Snowball today at the lab. And Braid asks Pinky to describe what he looks like. So Pinky mentions that he has eyes and a mouth under his nose. (laughs) And Braid is just like, very descriptive Pinky. (laughs) But Pinky also mentions that he has a tattoo on his ankle, which alerts Brain because he's like, wait a minute. Does it look like this? And he kind of lifts up his fur to show a tattoo of the Acme Labs logo on it. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of weird because it's like, what kind of person would show somebody their tattoo (laughs) on their leg? Like, they never mentioned this before up until now for plot convenience. And by the way, that is the coolest tattoo. I actually looked at that and said, boy, if I get a tattoo, that is something I actually might get. Because it's so so abstract. Yeah, deep cut. It is. Yeah. (laughs) True fan. I don't know if it would take up my entire, like, calf muscle like it took up his. But if, like, a little one... That'd be kind of funny. You I don't know. Do it and like then, on the ankle, you know, and you, you roll yeah, down exactly. your sock Just and a show people. Uncle. Dude. Exactly. <laughs> I'm thinking of merch idea. We should do like washable tattoos, like temporary tattoos. Yeah, temporary of that. tattoos. Yeah. <laughs> you should do it. <laughs> if I had the resources, I would. <laughs> so yeah. Brandon mentions that evil lurks among us and he cries out, Snowball! <laughs> In this very dramatic manner. <laughs> What is that? What does it mean? It means, Pinky, that evil lurks among us by the name of Snowball. Snowball! Yes? Well, yeah, and then, you know, what happens next is Snowball actually arrives on the scene. He literally emerges from the shadows, and he starts gloating to Brain and how he failed to take over the world before stating that he stole Brain's chain letter scheme. Uh, Snowball even adds that he wants his assistant. And Brain then realizes that he wants Pinky. And then it cuts to Pinky twirling his ears and kind of twisting them up in knots or something. <laughs> and Brain, men- Brain mentions, you think Pinky is an asset? Snowball declares, anything I take from you is an asset. And he even growls at him. Kind of looks, to me, kind of looked like the Grinch or something like that Ooh, at that yeah. moment. Like very Chuck Jones's kind big yeah. T. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but Brain stares at Snowball's gums. He just remarks how he hasn't flossed lately. Shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> the, bra- the hamster dismisses Brain's claim and then saunters away from the scene. Well, after Snowball leaves, Brain tells Pinky his history with Snowball. So Brain and Snowball were once childhood friends. And his brain loved to make Snowball laugh. He get, makes uh, goofy faces and he tickles him. But the two friends endured cartoonishly unethical lab testing as they were placed in a toy car. <laughs> they were shot from a cannon and hit a brick wall. This is intense, I should say. Very they kind of look like rat, rat fink or something like that. Their faces stretch back. and Yeah. Yeah. They hit the wall so hard that like the little brick like moves from the other side of the wall. <laughs> like, what were they testing there? Like the toy car? Test- I don't know. <laughs> Are they testing they the were- toy car for, like, durability? Uh, can guess. mice hit a wall and survive? And the answer was, to that is yeah, they're just not really. Shot out of a cannon. It's not even like... <laughs> so, yeah. Well, this is, you know, the, we they, they have their reasonings, I'm sure. Anyway, <laughs> well, 
the, the those young rodents get critically injured, and the scientists decide that the only way to bring them back to good health is to put them through the gene splicer, which it also functions as a bagel warmer. So, uh, but brain goes in first, and he turns out all right. Then it's Snowball's turn, and then the machine malfunctions, and one of the scientists tries to just whack it to get it to work again. And then it just, boom, Gene Splicer explodes. Like in Looney Tunes fashion, like the... Yeah, it was just the timing on that kaboom is just uh, just amazing. Just great timing. <laughs> anyway, as Brain is gifted with superior intellect, he's also found his desire to rule the world. While Snowball has turned evil machine, he only wants to destroy the world. As he, you see, he just starts hitting the little globe with a hammer. It's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love the expression on Snowball's face as he's just banging the globe with a hammer. Yeah, (laughs) clink, clink. Snowball gets kicked out of Acme Labs, uh, which made me wonder, is it just like the humans kicked him out just for like trying to destroy their globe? I don't know exactly what. Yeah, trying to break our globe. (laughs) (laughs) We we bought three globes this week. (laughs) Let's get out of here. This hamster has got to go. They kick him out, yeah. So Snowball gets kicked out of Acme Labs. He's sworn revenge against all mankind. So Brain tells Pinky that they must prepare. Pinky, you know, assumes once again that Brain wants to take over the world. But Brain tells Pinky that they must save the world, which astonishes Pinky. Brain calmly explains that they'll save the world uh, so that it'll be available to take over tomorrow night. (laughs) Which point they go to black, but also brain opens his mouth kind of oddly yeah that was a weird like he was about to say one more thing but instead they just went anyway (laughs) they had a line that they cut or something exactly we'll do it tomorrow night Uh, anyway (laughs) (laughs) to act two which uh of course begins back in the lab with brain trying to figure out how to foil his own scheme and pinky's thinks it's kind of funny because usually the plan tends to just kind of sort of foil itself. And Wayne remarks, uh, thank you, Pinky. Uh, be sure to put that in a book. And he tells Pinky of the weak link in his plans, which he figured out the weak link in this plan is the mail has to go out. So he has to create a federal holiday. So the postal <laughs> service will refuse to send out the letters. And when Pinky asks uh, what the holiday is, Brian responds, uh, it's a, a, a commemorates a national treasure. So we get to find out who that is when we see Snowball. He's surrounded by all these envelopes and he's angrily calling the post office saying, why, why haven't you picked up my letters? And the mail person informs him, oh, aren't you a real American? It's Wink, it's Wink Martindale Day, <laughs> which is celebrated everywhere except Arizona. <laughs> and Snowball's like, who could have done this? Uh, must have been the brain so he's he's furious so then we cut to uh pinky's walking through the lab has some books and snowball sneaks out and tries to call him over uh but pinky's like brain told me not to talk to you and snowball's like hey if brain told you to eat dirt would you do it and pinky's like i don't need brain to tell me to do that (laughs) good stuff yeah (laughs) uh but snowball has fudge so Pinky does come over and Snowball's talking to him about the brain. And he's like, aren't you tired of how brain treats you and how, how he beats you and 
Pinky's uh, actually like, oh, no, actually, I don't mind. One time he just took my lip and put it over my head like this. And uh, he was actually, he was fine with it. So uh, It looked like an atomic wedgie. It looked yeah. like an yeah, atomic like, wedgie yeah. from behind, the bottom lip, like over yeah. the head. <laughs> but with the bottom lip, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also, good to note that um, Snowball's kind of like creeping, like invading Pinky's like, you know, personal boundaries by like, you oh, know. Yeah, he's like. Really wrapping his arm around him, like poking his chest. He's getting all up in his business. Yeah. He he then tells Pinky um, that Brain is just using him. He's just stealing his ideas and then taking it as his own. And Pinky's distraught at the idea, but he doesn't want to listen any further. He uh, runs away. <laughs> uh, and Snowball just uh, calls Pinky a pathetic simpleton and takes the bite of the fudge and gives a smug grin. Pinky, the brain doesn't care about you. He's just using you. No, he's not. Yes, using you, stealing your brilliant ideas, calling them his own. He's using you. No, no, no. <laughs> Pathetic simpleton. <laughs> so he's he's uh, not a nice guy. Uh, the snowball. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> not a, not at all. Yeah, snowball's a creep. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we move over to the cage where uh, Pinky notes how quiet it is. Brain states that Snowball is not uh, rest. You know, he does not rest. Suddenly, there's a sound of large clanging, and it turns out there's a moving company coming in, and they're taking all the stuff out of the Acme Lab. Uh, they even knock over the cage that Brain's in, and they, they're stealing Brain's mechanical human suit, and Brain knows this must have something to do with Snowball, some sort of intervention there. So they jump on the back of the moving van. It drives through uh, past Seattle and over MicroSponge headquarters. <laughs> Pinky asks if they're being sold to tiny cleaning products. And Brain explains that MicroSponge is a computer corporation owned by the world's richest nerd. Pinky assumes that's Gumby, but Brain adds... <laughs> Even though he's very famous, sadly, Gumby isn't involved in profit participation. So. <laughs> Not Gumby. We got to find out who it is. <laughs> Micro Sponge. Hey, Gadbrain, we've been sold to makers of tiny cleaning products. Pinky. Micro Sponge is a huge computer corporation run by the world's richest nerd. <gasps> Gumby? No, Pinky. Famous as he is, sadly, Gumby was never included in profit participation. Once they arrive at the headquarters, the mice hop off the van with Pinky catching Brain in his arms before gently placing him on the ground, and they stealthily enter the building. They see Snowball and discover him heading into a closet. Pinky and the Brain try to open the door, but Bill Grace exits <laughs> and heads to his meeting room. And then there's this humorous gag of... Bill Great setting up a FaceTime meeting on the computer, only to reveal that everyone in the meeting is at the table. <laughs> so Bill explains that he owns about 51% of the world's controlling interest and now has control over the world. Then he makes an additional announcement. He is a hamster operating a Bill Great suit. <laughs> when one of the board members states that the real Bill still owns the company, Snowball informs him that Bill actually signed the company over to him after tricking him that it's a contract to direct movies, and he orders everyone out. <laughs> and then Brain tells Pinky, are you pondering what I'm pondering? To which Pinky replies, I think so, Brain, but Snowball for Windows? <laughs> <laughs> and Brain states that Snowball has taken over the world. 
And Snowball then exits from his suit and gloats in his victory. But he offers Brain the position of vice dictator out of pity. But Brain wants none of it. So Snowball offers a job to Pinky, and Pinky initially turns it down. But Snowball bribes Pinky with his own amusement park, conveniently called Pinky World. When Brain sees Pinky falter, Brain goes on a sarcastic rant saying, yes, I am just using you for your ideas. And Pinky, not understanding the sarcasm, is heartbroken. The Snowball's declarations are true, and he takes the job out of spite. Snowball is delighted to have separated the duo and then smugly offers Brain the position of general surgeon. But Brain leaves the building feeling incredibly downtrodden. The weather matches his mood as Brain asks if this day could get any worse and then he sees lightning strike a tree branch, and he answers, apparently it can. For it lands on him, thus ending Act 2. And Act 3 begins with Brain, now dressed in shabby attire, pushing a small shopping cart around with a soda can in it as he inspects a world now run by Snowball. And though the billiards uh, that are around the city post Pinky's image as co-despot, Snowball clearly runs the show as there are other signs with his name on it. And even like this announcement of Snowball commanding the people to wiggle their fingers, a la Simon says. (laughs) And Brain sees the human obsequiously follow Snowball's commands and remarks that humanity has become even dumber under Snowball's rule. And he then returns to Acme Labs, which at this point is now all run down and abandoned, and he kind of looks at his reflection in the mirror, and he's like, Oh, brain, where art thou? Before fading to black. And then we open to a no-trespassing sign in front of a very foreboding-looking manor, where Pinky is sleeping in this very large bed, feeling quite lonely, as he holds this snow globe of Acme Labs in his hands, and he calls out, Brain, in his sleep, and (laughs) the snowball kind of falls out (laughs) of his grasp off of the bed, crashes on the floor, and the scene fades to black. Although I gotta add, like, they make snow, like, snow globes of Acme Labs as merch. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have to say, I in all my years of going to the Warner Brothers store, I never saw one snow globe of Acme Labs, and it makes me very upset that they never made them, because it looked really cool. Yeah. And very de- it was very detailed. All the letters fell off. Uh, individually, so I mean, there was a lot of craftsmanship in this Acme Labs. Uh, there was snow globe, but yes, I never saw one snow globe of Acme Labs. And I again, more merchandise opportunities. Warner Brothers, if you're listening, you can stop just doing. Uh, you know, you got. We already gave you a temporary tattoo idea. Yeah, we got the snow globe idea too. It's I got the snow globe, so. They they need to stop doing all this clip art on shirts and start making yeah. all these original copy stuff. paste stuff. Yeah, and, stop uh, stealing like people's fan arts and making it as your own and pick bingo. up stuff from the shows. <laughs> it's all there. Just have to oh, come on. Anyway. There's so many cool ideas. They did a lot of interesting things too in the '90s, and it's like they're not doing anything now. It's just copy paste onto yeah. backpacks and shirts, and it's like, come on, guys. You, yeah, there's plenty of ideas here in the shows. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get that snow globe. <laughs> so then we see Brain uh, pushing his little sorry little shopping cart in this very sorry little abandoned alleyway where he is surrounded suddenly by this pack of cats who very much wants to make Brain their dinner. And Brain is just kind of at his wit's end and he just accepts his fate and delivers this very bleak monologue to the cats who all look at each other in bewilderment. Brain's just kind of like, eat me now, but... <laughs> It's a little too uh, too weird for the cats. They almost kind of don't want to at this point. Yeah, they're just looking at each other like, what? Yeah, What's like, this guy doing? 
That looked very familiar. Didn't it look didn't that look uh, yeah. like I've, I've seen that in some kind of cart some cartoon or something like that? There like, was. I feel like there was a Looney Tunes where yeah. the yeah. mouse is trying to get himself eaten. Just eat me. Um, Just yeah, this oh, yeah. Mount- was it a uh, was it like a it's the Hubie and like the, the two pair of mice? I don't know. Like I've seen this too, though, where it was yeah, like another yeah. mouse or a bird or something who also was just kind of like eat me now. But I can't yeah. remember what it was from either. So and then they may have multiple times because I feel like Sylvester is trying to do it and then like doesn't yeah. eat it or something. You know, like <laughs> like um, in Birds Anonymous, where he's like yeah. doesn't want to eat Tweety. Yeah, <laughs> right. Or those like yeah. that that parasite that attacks the mouse too that wants it to you know like that. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> So um, something's wrong. Makes you go something... insane. So <laughs> yeah, I guess if any of our <laughs> listeners out there know like of any of these cartoons that do this, please let us know because we can't remember what the names of them are. But I know I've seen yeah. this too somewhere. Right? Yeah, it's so funny. It's just like oh, it gosh, I, I just was scratching my head, going, "Okay, I've seen this before. I've yeah. seen this bit where they go in the mouse, they go in the cat's mouth, and the cat goes, well, like this obviously is a poison mouse or something. Yeah. <laughs> Why would this be happening? Yeah. So it's I like, don't know. They, they don't like suicidal rodents. Apparently. No, no, that ruins the fun. Yeah, it ruins the fun, it ruins their dinner. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the cats are just not into this at this point. Like, Brain even, he hops into one of the cat's mouth, he commands it to just end, end it all, and he t- it takes a couple of tries, but eventually the cat just spits Brain out, and Brain lands on the shopping cart, and as it starts to rain, Brain kind of, like, gets, you know... Gets a new vigor here with this. He joyfully laughs at how alive he feels and declares just how the Earth cannot conquer him, even when he, you know, is on the verge of, like, committing suicide or whatever. It's like he still cannot be conquered. So he kind of sees this as a victory in a way. He sees this as a sign of hope to keep moving forward. Yeah, the sign of hope. And so he then sees uh, this billboard of Snowball and Pinky uh, with the globe in the middle of them. And Brain declares... My world! I must save my world! And he rips out his beard as he does it, which causes him to scream in pain. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my beloved world! You cannot conquer me! My world. Yes, I must save my world! <laughs> oh yeah, I was gonna say I, I might save this for when we talk about it, but I do love the ambiguity of Brain saying I must save my world while speaking in front of a billboard with both Pinky and the world on it. Yeah, I love that too. It's kind of left up to audience interpretation. Like, is he talking about Pinky or the world or both? It's kind of up to you. But I like that juxtaposition. I thought that was very, very cute, very clever. I like the whole thing of the world will not conquer me. I thought that was a very yeah <laughs> neat flip of the of the line, basically uh, the idea, and it yeah kind of a, a, a nice little turning point for the brain right there to get moving. Yeah, that was cool too. This little glimmer of hope for him. <laughs> so back at Snowball's mansion, uh, Pinky is having trouble uh, solving this child's shape puzzle. And he's trying to have a friendly conversation with Snowball, but he calls him Brain instead, accidentally. <laughs> and Snowball is rather irritated by Pinky's presence in general. But when Pinky brings up Brain again, Snowball just kind of gets fed up with this. And he admits to Pinky that he was only using him to get to the Brain and, and nothing more. Like, he doesn't mean anything else to him. 
Piggy is just an asset to, you know, make Brain even more pissed off, essentially, so and to get what he wanted. So this, of course, makes Pinky very sad, and he slinks off to another room. Look, you fool! You have no brilliant ideas. I'm only using you to get at him, so just stay quiet. You... using me? Oh, why don't you go ride your theme park? But as he does so, he's elated to discover Brain, who has entered the manor and is now donning the mechanical human suit. Standing right in front of Pinky, and Pinky is about to cheer, but Brain Brain shushes him, tells him to be quiet. So, so Brain then barges in to where Snowball is, and when Snowball irritably asks, "What do you want?" Brain, who holds Pinky in his hand, replies, "My friend and my world." <laughs> Brain. <laughs> What do you want? My friend and my world. So uh, Snowball flees and he retrieves his Bill Great suit from the closet and the intelligent rodents duke it out in what's technically a mecha battle since you got yeah. two rodents operating <laughs> giant robots. <laughs> so Brain is fighting Snowball and Pinky is cheering him on from the sidelines. And Brain manages to evade some of Snowball's blows until Snowball showcases his updated version of the suit, which has a programmed fighting moves that you can insert via <laughs> floppy disk. Well, Brain has to just like only has his little levers, which you know his you know he didn't build it for fighting in mind, but he kind of adapts as he's kind of moving, taking defensive measures. But also during the fight, Snowball changes his suit into like an Iron Man suit, which has rockets and such. <laughs> And, you know, Brain just sees this, he's like, okay. Well, like, you know, earlier Brain has, like, a pen, and he's just, like, throws it at him. And then Brain's like, okay, yep, I gotta get going. Snowball is prepared. Yeah. So, like, you know, Brain just hops out the window as the rockets shoot at him, but Snowball goes over to the window, and he's like, have a nice trip, Brain! See you next fall! But Brain's like, I don't travel alone, Snowball! And Brain grabs Snowball, trying to fight back, but the shoes that are, like, holding the uh, window pane, you know, he's losing his grip because of the added weights of his suit and Snowball's suit. And, you know, all three rodents go tumbling down. Pinky's in, like, the little uh, coat pocket. He's like, oh, no. And Snowball actually has his little uh, propeller, and they're kind of flying away from the mansion over to... Uh, Mount Rushmore in South Dakota. <laughs> is it North Dakota or South Dakota? Now I forget. Um, I, I think it was up. North Dakota. Well, no, no. I think it is South Dakota. Come to think of it. I can't remember. It's one of those That's Dakotas. Bad. I should know. Kelly, do you remember? <laughs> I can't remember. Yeah, Kelly's the expert. Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mount Rushmore is located in Keystone, South Dakota. There you go. There we go. Okay. It's one of those Dakotas, I know. <laughs> I actually, I actually did travel to South Dakota before. Oh, that's right. You mentioned that to me once. Did you actually go to Mount Rushmore? No, we didn't go to Rush Mount Rushmore. Ah, uh, that's still cool though. Yeah, it was a really interesting trip. I'll bet. So they're over Mount Rushmore, and Brain is just hanging on to the side of one of the faces of Mount Rushmore, and Snowball. He's standing up. He has the high ground, and he's like <laughs> stepping on his fingers. 
he gives Bray this bloodthirsty grin. He's like, oh, I got you now. And <laughs> Pinky, you know, he's trying to, like, reason with Snowball. He's like, Snowball, don't do it! And then, you know, Snowball steps on Pinky. But then, you know, Pinky is now inside of the shoe of Snowball's suit. And he manages to find two loose wires, and he brings them together, thus delivering the final blow. And, you know, it causes Snowball's suit to malfunction, and Snowball falls over, he flees from the scene, just as the suit explodes. <laughs> Afterwards, Pinky finds Brain struggling to hold on, and Pinky's like, I got you, Brain, you can do it! And Brain's like, no, I can't! Pinky's like, yes, you can! <laughs> and we get this very bizarre scene transition. From struggling to get up on Mount Rushmore to them going through the mail slot of Acme Labs as Pinky pulls Brain <laughs> into the mail slot and they're in the lab. Yeah, there is a point to this, which we'll get to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This was intentional and not just like yes. a bizarre transition. Yeah. If you got it, you got it. Yep. And you were like, ah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so Pinky's happy to be back in the lab, but he's like, you got Brain. How are we going to fix this? And then Brain finds an envelope. He's like, simple, Pinky. Stamp money. So that, that's a nice payoff. Yeah. So he Brain's going to plan to use the stamp money to restore the lab. That's nice. Yeah. So the mice engage in their usual exchange. And it ends with Brain saying, the same thing that we didn't get to do tonight, Pinky. <laughs> Try to take over the world. And then we end with an exterior shot of a ramshackle Acme Labs. And a cross dissolve over to the nice restored Acme Labs. And thus concludes Snowball. Come, Pinky. There is much to do before tomorrow night. Why? What are we going to do tomorrow night, Brain? The same thing we didn't get to do tonight, Pinky. Try to take over the world. They're Pinky, they're Pinky, and the Brain, 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 Brain. Yay. Hooray. Yay. <laughs> I think it's kind of funny that, like, they continue to stay in the lab. It's like, obviously, they want that as a, you know, a set, you know, for to continue to. You would think it's like, okay, wouldn't they just leave and establish their own base or something <laughs> uh, so that they're not experimented on cruelly all the time? But then I believe they explain this the way that, like, well, but Brain has tons of resources, though, to the lab. And so they stay in part because of that. And it's also kind of like one of the few homes that they've ever known. So it's kind of like, even though... It has all these bad memories attached to it. You still don't want to leave it because it's still your home. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I like that they just keep returning to like, you know. The lab. Yeah, he, the, the lab. Like he still wants to restore it. He still wants to stay. Well, and they apparently hired more incompetent scientists who don't even realize there's a giant robot suit in the closet if they <laughs> just open up the door. And talking mice that they could. And talking <laughs> mice. That's exactly. Yeah, uh, Acme would absolutely not fly. <laughs> They're too busy trying to sell their snow globe Acme Labs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They have better priorities. They would be really tiny snow globes, too. Mouse-sized snow globes, Mouse right? Mouse-sized oh. globes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny, like, seeing, watching the show now after having actually worked in a laboratory uh, with rodents. Like, I wasn't a researcher, but I was, like, an animal caretaker there. And uh, the rules are very, very strict on what to do and what not to do and how to properly care for the animals. So it's really funny watching 
picky in the brain after that job is <laughs> just seeing like, <laughs> like the incompetence that the acne scientists have just would absolutely not fly whatsoever. This was the 90s. You I didn't know. have those rules. No. <laughs> it's also a cartoon, so, you know, cartoon. That's know. It's just funny, the juxtaposition. <laughs> yeah, so now let's uh, delve into the first and fun facts. All right, of which there are many. Uh, why don't you start off here, Pines? I think you have quite a few first to go over? Yeah, we will do. So this was the first Pinky in the Brain episode to be written by Wendell Morris and Tom Shepard. Hmm. And, you know, they became staff, uh, staff writers on the show, both on Pinky in the Brain and Pinky Elmira in the Brain. And they wrote such episodes as a Pinky in the Brain Halloween, Brain's Night Off, and the Brainwash Trilogy. Oh, cool. They wrote a couple of my favorites there. Yeah, so they've, they've written quite a lot in the in the series. Yeah, I love Brains Night Off. That's one of my favorites. Yeah. And um, also, like, both of them have very interesting careers. Hmm. Uh, Wendell Morris started off as a production assistant on The Rocketeer, the Disney huh. movie from 1991. That's cool. I love that movie. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> and he also worked on the Muppets 3D ride. Oh, nice. Yeah, so after he worked on Pinky and the Brain, he also worked on other cartoons like Crypto the Superdog, Totally Spies, and Johnny Bravo. But his last writing credit was back in 2010, so this leads me to believe that he either left or retired from the industry. Hmm. Well, meanwhile, Tom Shepard, uh, he's still around, and he's still working in the industry, but he mostly works on uh, Robot Chicken. Okay. Which ironically has two Pinky and the Brain parodies. Did he work on that one with Brain? <laughs> <laughs> Did he work on that? No, 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 no. He wasn't. He wasn't a credited writer on those okay. episodes. <laughs> but like way back, um, I think it was like a couple of years ago, where Maurice Lamarche said that he did uh, take up the robot chicken job just because he was so desperate to voice Brain. Yeah, he wanted. But to he do it ended so up bad. regretting it. <laughs> yeah, he said he's he's come out of. Uh, I think it was gosh, years ago when I saw him at uh, Phoenix uh, Comic Con. Somebody asked him about also the uh, Nostalgia Critic video oh, yeah. that was made. Yeah, yeah. Somebody had mentioned like, oh, I really love that. And he just told the guy, yeah, I really wish I didn't do that. <laughs> you know, like he's a really nice guy and everything. And we went along with it. But I, he, you know, basically saying I really kind of think that was out of character. For I that. remember him saying that, too. He did kind of regret doing it because he, yeah, he felt like it wasn't really... Uh, true, like to the true to form, yeah. And, and and now, whenever you look up images of Pinky and the Brain or whatever, a lot of the times it shows clips from that mm -hmm. video uh, specifically. Yeah, which kind of like, grinds oh. my gears. I'm like, oh yeah. man. I think it's because it made such an impression at the time that it came out, and people remember yeah. that. You know, there was no there was no Pinky and the Brain, no Animaniacs. That was like it was. It looked pretty good, mm -hmm. so people uh, flocked to it. Yep. It was during a dry period, and so yeah, people kind of kind of flocked to that. So yeah, it's like you don't have that much, you know, new material for that long that you're kind of clamoring for anything. Mm -hmm. Although, also, I will mention that the animation company that did work on Robot Chicken Screen Novelties they did the stop motion scene in that one Animaniacs reboot cartoon, Mouse Madness. Oh, that was Robot Chicken. Oh no, uh, Screen Novelties. You said okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So that's a nice little connection there that is nice i love that bit yeah me too that was yeah. that was really well animated it was beautifully animated it was the highlight of that uh episode for it me really, it really was it, it was really me. cool yeah same here so moving on um this is the first pinky in the brain episode to feature snowball 
who was voiced by Roddy McDowell, who has probably the most, a very illustrious career in the entertainment industry. <laughs> yep. Like, he's been, like, acting in movies since the 1940s and things like How Green Was My Valley. Mm. And he started one of the Lassie movies, Lassie Come Home. Oh, yeah. I forgot he was in that. Yep. Uh, he was also uh, in a lot of feature films like Cleopatra as Octavius. Uh, his most famous role, Planet of the Apes as Cornelius. Oh, okay. I just saw that movie. <laughs> yeah, and he also guest starred in a lot of television shows like The Alfred Hitchcock Hour, Columbo, Quantum Leap. Nice. Although I will say, my favorite bit of Roddy McDowell casting was in Ben Dobbs and Broomsticks, the 1971 Disney <laughs> musical. Because he was third billing in the movie, and he was only in it for two scenes. <laughs> like, in the very beginning and at the very end. I completely forgot he was in that. I've only seen that movie once, so... I mean, the reason why he was third billing, because uh, they initially had a subplot where his character, a clergyman named Rowan Jelks, has this whole scheme of trying to marry Eglatine Price. Okay. So that way he can, like, inherit her home. But that subplot got scrapped. Okay, gotcha. In the twilight year of his career, uh, Roddy McDowell did a lot of voice acting roles. He was uh, the Mad Hatter in Batman the Animated Series. <laughs> cool. He was also in, like... Guest appearances on Darkwing Duck and Gargoyles. He was also in A Bug's Life. He played uh, Mr. Soil, who oh, was like yeah. the thespian ant. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Also, regarding his work on Pinky and the Brain, both Rob Paulson and Maurice LaMarche enjoyed working with him. They cited him as a class act. And I actually listened to this one interview LaMarche did on the podcast You Don't Know Schiff, <laughs> where he, he mentioned that Roddy McDowell motivated him to come into work earlier since he was notorious <laughs> for coming into work late. Yeah, he was. <laughs> he said, like, oh, after meeting him, it's like, okay, I should show up to work early on time. Aw, <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> yeah, so back to the um, cartoon. Uh, Snowball appeared in six episodes of the series. Season two, he was in Welcome to the Jungle. Season three, he was in Brain Noir and A Pinky in the Brain Halloween. And in the final season, he was in two of the brainwashed episodes, part two and part three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also Snowball made some appearances in the comic. Yes, like he did. the Pinky the Brain comics. Including one bizarre story which involved Snowball's sister. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, it's like yeah, Snowball has a sister named weird. Cupcake, who's also genetically spliced, but <laughs> yeah. she has like a blonde ponytail. And it's basically girl Snowball, so she kind of has like human hair on. But, yeah. like, the story is that Pinky and Cupcake are dating, and Brain and Snowball are teaming up to break them up. So it's, <laughs> like, it, it, them spying on the two, and, like, you know, how can we ruin this romance? And then, by the end of the story, Pinky reveals, like, oh, it didn't work out because they have differing, differing preferences in peanut butter. <laughs> I like smooth, she likes chunky, so, you know, it's irreconcilable differences. <laughs> <laughs> the red flag of any relationship. <laughs> yeah, this is also the first episode of feature a recurring villain, because Pinky Elmira in the Brain has three recurring antagonists, um, if you want to count Elmira, since she's Ooh. always, like, an intrusive force. There was the one kid, uh, Rudy Mukish, who's, like, the neighborhood bully who recognizes that the mice are talking mice and wants to feed them to his pet snake. But he's also... Not only the object of Amira's affection, but he's also in love with her quote-unquote cousin, Patty Ann, who is brain in his mechanical human suit that's designed to look like a typical little girl. 
That whole thing always weirded me out. That, that, that was like the weirdest thing about the show. It's like, yeah, uh, so no. Weird. The whole show is a trip, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, we haven't watched any of the Pinky Elmire and the Brains on the Animaniacast. And oh, it's really? one of those things that, you know, you know, I remember watching it when it first came out and, and enjoying it for the episodes that I saw, you know, back, you know, when they initially came out. And it has such a reputation now as being like, oh, that show. And it's like, really? Was it that bad? I don't remember it being that <laughs> bad. I have it on DVD. I will. Yeah. I, I don't know. I will have we'll to get to it eventually, it. I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, like, it's like, is this really as bad as people say? Come on. Can't be that bad. I'd like to hear you guys' thoughts to see what you think. I actually <laughs> never I never hated Elmira. I always thought she was actually kind of funny, but that's just me. But I don't I felt know. sad for her sometimes. But that's Sometimes. Yeah, exactly. She was a sympathetic character as well. Yeah. I mean, her parents were never oh. around. Like, I liked her in the um, in like the some of the first episodes of Tiny Toons. Uh, where she's right. kind of just this little kid who is just, you know, she seems to be always left alone at home and is never supervised <laughs> and her only friends are animals. And it is kind of kind of a sad situation, actually, where she's just kind of always just uh, by herself. But over time, she becomes more and more maniacal of a character until finally yeah. she's just all out torture uh, by the end of Tiny Toons. And then you get to Pinky Elmira and the brain and it's just kind of torture porn throughout the entire show <laughs> at least to me that's oh. how it came on there were a couple of oh, episodes boy. that i thought were pretty good but yeah uh i would like to like to know you guys' thoughts revisiting them because some of them could totally. be pretty cruel yeah i mean yeah. i i personally i mean take elmira please is actually one of my uh, favorite episodes of uh tiny tunes and uh, <laughs> grandma's dead i think is another one that features <laughs> elmira heavily and I always like that one as well. So I don't know. But yes, I we will eventually have to get to that. Yeah, we will yeah, too. See the dark yeah, so we. yeah, eventually we'll get to it too. <laughs> yeah, because uh, the other antagonist in that show was um, Wally Faust, who is a uh, Christopher Walken caricature, who is Ooh. also the leader of the secret society that's bent on world domination. But the twist is that Brain has gotten closer to world domination than these guys have. <laughs> and they're like, okay, we got to like take advantage of Brain have him help us take over the world and then we're going to eliminate the mice. And that's honestly the most interesting aspect of the show. It is. But it's a shame that it's only in two episodes and they never really expand on it because it's such an interesting premise. It's like they wanted to do more, but they kind of just, they didn't. <laughs> yeah, I think because like the executives wanted to do like Elmira stuff, which kind of was a roadblock into doing more creative things with that premise or even other potential stories yeah they just never really expanded upon it aside from like two or three episodes and then lastly we got julia from the animaniacs reboot as she's sort of the recurring antagonist and she appeared in three episodes of the series one episode per season our next first is that this is the first episode which featured Traz, as we mentioned earlier mm-hmm. which you know kind of became a staple in the spinoff as that's mentioned a lot in that Pinky in the Brain, Pinky Elmira in the Brain, and Wacko's Wish. Yes, it has. Yeah, they definitely had it reoccur a few times. Draws! 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 And as some more first, this is the first episode to feature uh, Brain's backstory. Um, additionally, it's the first episode to feature Baby Brain as well. And there are other episodes in the spinoff that feature flashback to Brain's lab life, which include Lego by Ego from season three, uh, which shows how Brain was captured from his home in the meadow and taken to Acme Labs, where he endured trauma from uh, lab testing. And uh, the same episode also explains his subconscious desire to rule the world, explaining that he wants to return to his home, 
his home being this little peach tin can with a picture of the world on it. <laughs> and Aww. season four, yeah, it's really sad. <laughs> it's it's so sad. <laughs> I, I love actually the backstory that they came up with for that. Um, but yeah, it's very tragic. And season four features Project Brain, which goes against the backstory. It kind of it kind of nullifies its own canon. <laughs> I mean, the canon was already loosey-goosey to begin with. It was. It's like they keep changing it kind of each time we go into Bray's backstory. Either something's changed or omitted. But the third time we go into his backstory is in Project Brain. And we show that Pinky and Brain uh, both go for the gene splicer together as adult mice. And that Brain gained his desire to rule the world from an offhanded comment by Pinky who says, wouldn't it be great if you ruled the world? <laughs> So different, kind of different backstories, but each yeah, of them at least has... that one explains Pinky though, because this one is like the, the machine blows up. It's like, but what about Pinky? Like, yeah, <laughs> this is before I ever met you, Pinky, and, and yeah, Gene Spicer blew up. So it's kind of funny. It's like, yeah, where Pinky comes in is kind of nebulous. <laughs> there was multiple <laughs> splicing of. The yeah, brain. or like, he's just he just an alien that just happens to look like it. <laughs> I mean, also, I think in um in the Animaniacs episode, the world could wait. Billy adds her intelligence by like the a different machine, but that's like she was already spliced anyway. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they kind of like made like modified the gene splicer. Yeah, maybe. multiple models. Because I yeah, wasn't Ju- did Julie also get gene spliced there too? Uh, I mean, she was like, that was like a that was like a capsule, like the fly or something. Yeah, that was yeah. Different, yeah. Capsule. Was different. Okay, I was trying to remember what that machine was. I, I just uh, haven't watched that episode again since because it was like so gruesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was, so the less I think about that, I yeah. The less I think about that, the better. I think. Same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, there was another flashback too in uh, the Animaniacs season. X reboot season one segment Rodent Trip, uh, which features a flashback to a very young brain enduring trauma from unethical lab testing, which is played a bit more seriously in tone here, with brain receiving shocks from a stunning plate during a learned helplessness experiment, which adds yet another layer to his desire for world conquest, as here he says he wants to have control over his life and then control over the world, so he adds another layer has another layer to his character as the trauma he experienced made him more emotionally guarded. So it's like, are all three backstories true? Is just one of them true? I guess it's kind of up to interpretation. They could it's all like, be true. And yeah. there's different pinkies in the brains. Because <laughs> that would explain why they're like three years old, but also been alive since the 60s or whatever. The so multiverse. The multiverse, multiverse of mouseness. The multiverse of mouseness. I love it. Mice that... And they always end up being oh. in the brain. Like there every time go. they splice clones. these mice. Yeah, they just, clothes. Yeah, or something. I don't know. Well, I I never liked that learn helplessness one, by the way, for his origin. Because to me, I think they handled it wrong. The brain to me is somebody who isn't somebody who would go, ow, and then shock, and then I'm I'm learning helplessness. The brain is somebody to me who fails and yet realizes, and no, going. I can. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. keep doing that. It doesn't yeah. matter how many times he gets burned, he's going to keep going. So he doesn't yeah. have that in his brain that he's he's going to stop. So he's going to keep that, trying even if he fails every night yeah. trying to so get he, the thing. To me I'm like to me I'm like that was that in the reboot that was that handled so like earnestly and stuff like that was a tragic kind of thing, but I think they could have actually made it somewhat comedic like they had they had to shut the experiment down because this mouse would not stop shocking himself. <laughs> You know, Pretty like much. he won't. Yeah, exactly. No, he's no, he'll learn this time. No, he keeps doing it. You know, it's like that That could have been to me. 
you're like, oh, that's still kind of like intense, but kind of funny because it's like, God, this this mouse is well, which one's insane? You know, it's like that's a little insane to keep going, but that's the brain. That's an interesting anyway. take. I kind of like that. Like that is interesting. I, I try to look at like the way that they did it. I also agree that I don't see that experiment that he went through as completely defining the rest of his life. I try to look at it as, okay, this was just a piece of his life. Like he went through a lot more trauma, but he's only like mentioning that one thing to Pinky. It's like, he doesn't want to, you know, maybe he's too guarded still. and doesn't really want to give a full explanation of this is actually what happened. He just, so what he told him is true from a certain point of view. (laughs) I don't know. I, I might be the lone person in the room. I actually do like, appreciate that interpretation for the reason that explains why Braid is so emotionally guarded as a character because why he's so like averse to like affection or like he's like trying to reach out for things that he does want but he's afraid that he's gonna get hurt so that's why he's kind of closed off emotionally but I mean to each their own I suppose. I think it's cool that like we all have different you know ideas of like what works what doesn't work I mean in the end, I do still like it, though, as it, at the very least an added layer to that emotional element of like, yeah, this is why he's so guarded is in part because of these kinds of things that he went through. And mm-hmm. he doesn't want to let his guard down because he doesn't want to get hurt again. So as like a little snippet, at least of his life, it's like, I love that for it. But yeah, it's like all all three are interesting in their own ways. Like, I, I don't think I'd heard before until you mentioned it, Joey, like, what if they put a comedic spin on it? I never thought of it that way either. <laughs> so that's I know it's it's kind of weird for a cartoon like Animaniacs to have some comedic stuff in it. It's kind of weird. <laughs> a little, a little maybe the reboot the should have worked on that. A little <clears throat> no, out of the box. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely had a little. They they struggled a bit with the first season. I felt like it kept getting better yeah. as it went. Like by the last I season, kid, I kid, I kid. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Although I do have to mention when we were talking about the baby brains. In the episode, but that's not all, folks. It's, like, more of a gag, but you see Brain kind of pulling pictures of, like, you know, the sides, like, oh, it's only, like, you know, $19.99, but it's a picture of him and Pinky as babies. And oh, it's like, yeah, that also breaks the canon. That also breaks the canon, but it's also kind of a cute joke, because it's like, oh, no, baby picture. It's like, okay, here's the actual <laughs> sign. I forgot and about that. And that's what it comes down to it. It's like, look, it's funny. Just, you know. Yeah, just just take <laughs> each one for what it is. <laughs> and especially, you know, we're, we're, we're today we had the, you know, benefit of watching these on demand, either by streaming or DVD or whatever, whatever episode you want. And back in the 90s, it was kind of like, you know, you you see an episode, you miss an episode. When's mm-hmm. Pinky the Brain on? You Oh, you forgot to set the timer on the VCR. So going over these chronologies and everything like that is is, uh, you know, maybe you only saw one origin story when you were a kid in the 90s. And that was, you know, so you never thought about this stuff, you know. Exactly. Yeah, it's like it wasn't linear. It was just kind of a, you know, you catch it when you catch it. You know, it was meant to be as such, you know, Mm -hmm. for, uh, you know, for TV at the time. So although I do. Oh, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I do appreciate how like each backstory kind of has its own like spin on it. Yeah. I don't want to leave Kelly out of the conversation. Do you have any thoughts on any of this, or are you good? Oh, I'm good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Continuing on with the uh, with the first, I guess. This is the first time that Pinky admits that he does not mind physical abuse, and he actually likes it. <laughs> Throughout the spinoff, and even in Wacko's Wish, which is the, the movie, 
Uh, we see instances of Pinky laughing after receiving, like, bops or slapstick abuse for Brain. And uh, Pinky the Brain Halloween is a great showcase of Pinky's kind of masochistic tendencies. We see, like, Mr. Itch in that episode put Pinky through, like, a number of torture devices, but he is just, like, unable to get anything out of Pinky. He is just aggravated to learn that Pinky is having a fun time of this and finds it, like, you know, funny or, you know, kind of ticklish even. Like, it just doesn't affect him at all. But Pinky does admit in this episode in, in Snowball that the only real torture is being away from his best friend, the brain. So that's that's the real torture for Pinky. Aw. Yeah. <laughs> this is also the first episode in which the mice actually save the world. And in Snowball, the mice save humanity by, well, overthrowing Snowball. So uh, other episodes in which they save the planet are season two's It's Only a Paper World, in which Brain builds a replica of the Earth out of paper mache and terraforms it into a habitable planet called Chia Earth <laughs> for the population to live in while the mice rule the actual Earth. And in that episode, um, basically the mice grow bored of ruling what is basically a desolate planet by that point. And a meteor literally strikes the Earth and blows it to bits. And the mice manage to like get to Chia Earth just in time. So at the end of the episode, Earth is now Chia Earth, essentially. And they inadvertently save humanity. Yeah, they inadvertently save the whole human race. <laughs> There's also Dangerous Brains, in which Brain operates a machine that can control the moon during his Teacher of the Year ceremony, because in that episode, he's kind of masquerading as a, as a teacher. But he leaves the device unattended while having to end a scuffle at the celebration, so the moon, like, almost crushes the planet, but Brain manages to save the day just in time. And he's kind of, like, heralded as a hero under his alias Mr. Brainslowski in that episode. Also in that episode... <laughs> Tom Wilson was the voice of the principal. Yeah. Oh, nice. We were just we were talking about Tom Wilson before recording. Yeah, we got to yeah. meet. I got to meet him at WonderCon, and he's a super nice guy. I've and, heard he's uh, really nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a cool guy. He's friends with Paul Rugg, and uh, yeah, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and uh, lastly, in the uh, in the Brainwash trilogy, uh, the mice save the planet in there as well from a nefarious scheme that involves dumbing down humidity by way of a. Macarena parody called the Schmierskahoven. <laughs> and Brave manages to create additional lyrics to the song, commanding everyone not to do not to do it. <laughs> and as a result, uh, saves the world, essentially. Oh yeah, and then just as a couple of other quick firsts. This is the debut of the Gene Splicer in Bagel Warmer. Oh yeah. Because that makes a couple appearances in the spinoff. Yes, it does. And then also, the first time we see Acme Labs being reduced to rubble. Oh, you're right. Because this happens a couple other times. Yep, in Brainwashed, and then also that's kind of like the whole point of Pinky Elmira in the Brain is mm -hmm. that the Acme Labs was well, like shut turned, down. It gets turned into a Disney store, right? Yeah, in like the, the Raven. <laughs> yeah, ran yeah. out of stamp money. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, did they actually stop Snowball's plan? Like, Snowball still owns like 51% of... Well, like... That's yeah, because, like, the, the kid's kind of loose, because, like, in Welcome to the Jungle, Snowball kind of left to live in the jungle, and you see him in, like, like, basically he's in the role of uh, Marlon Brando's character from Apocalypse Now, where he's, like, mm -hmm. completely off the rails. He's, like, it's like a he's, cult like, leader, leading, right? Yeah, he's a cult leader leading these, like, group of abandoned tourists, and he's, like, he's lost Brain it. Brain Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then, you know, but then also in the Brainwash trilogy, they do highlight that he is still the 
CEO of Microsponge. So it's kind of, you know, loose cannon. Mm -hmm. Well, I think when Bill Gates found out the contract he signed was was uh, not valid because if you tell somebody it's a contract about something and it's really not that, it's not a valid contract, right? Nathan, yeah, you're, this, you're this my lawyer, true. right? Sure. That's true. <laughs> yeah, you if you don't lawyer. see it, it's not illegal. It's not illegal. <laughs> <laughs> <The Simpsons. laughs> Running through stoplights. And... <laughs> yeah. He's closing his eyes. I remember that Simpsons now. Okay. <laughs> So yeah, let's move on to the fun facts. Alrighty. Yeah, so the Piggly Wiggly, which is mentioned in earlier in the episode, is a funnily named supermarket chain, which is found in the South and Midwest regions of America. Mm-hmm. You, got, you got a Piggly Wiggly in Georgia, Kelly? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I've, I've seen them in different places. Um, not not necessarily around where I live, but I've, I've seen them. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I just remember driving Miss Daisy has they talk about the Piggly Wiggly. Oh, Quite a bit in that movie. I don't know. I I've never, as a kid, I as a kid, I just remember hearing about the Piggly Wiggly and thinking it sounds like such a fun place. But no, it's just a silly name. Okay. <laughs> that sounds like a Chuck E. Cheese knockoff. <laughs> yeah, Piggly Wiggly. Piggly Wiggly. I'd like to go there. Like you have like animatronic pigs, just like you know, <laughs> like games that you can play. <laughs> yeah, that's where I've heard that name before. It was from Driving Miss Daisy. <laughs> yeah, well, that's cool. And then next up, the drinking bottles that are in Baby Brain's cage contain Alar and DDT, which are pesticides. Canal number five, which is a reference to Chanel number five perfume. <laughs> and Snipple, which is a, a parody of Snapple soft drinks. <laughs> Although I do find the Snipple thing to be interesting now because Snipple was one of the animation studios that worked on the reboot. Yeah, I thought that was kind of an interesting coincidence. They got their name from this episode, I bet. Maybe, <laughs> Maybe I they did. We'll, <laughs> we'll say inspiration. That would be really funny if they did that. <laughs> it, came, it came full circle. <laughs> and then during the flashback, Brain states, a mouse and a hamster barely alive. They said they could make us better, faster, smarter, which is a reference to the opening of The Six Million Dollar Man a sci-fi series that aired on ABC from 1973 to 1978. Steve Austin will be that man. Better than he was before. Better. Stronger. Faster. They said they could make us better. Faster. Smarter. Uh, a few more fun facts. Uh, the doctors operating on Brain and Snowball are caricatures of some of the characters from the NBC drama ER, which ran from 1994 to 2009. The doctor in the glasses resembles Dr. Mark Green, played by Anthony Edwards. The doctor with the mustache resembles Dr. Peter Benton, played by Eric LaSalle. And the nurse resembles Nurse Carol Hathaway, played by Juliana Mar Margiles? Margiles? Margulies. Margulies. Yes, Margulies. Another fun fact. Wink Martindale Day, except in Arizona, is a jab at that state's reluctance to adopt a Martin Luther King holiday. The state voted to recognize it in 1986, but the holiday was de-recognized a year later, and its failure to recognize MLK Jr. Day cost them their first chance to host the Super Bowl, actually, when the NFL made their decision in 1991 to remove the Super Bowl 17... 47. 47. 47? Oh, feet. 27. Yeah, 27. <laughs> you sure it's not 17? Oh, that, I think that was, yeah, my bad. 
I'm really bad with Roman numerals. No, it's okay. <laughs> it's like I'm just making sure I read it right. <laughs> it's like that one episode from The Simpsons. It's like mm-hmm. Roman numerals except for film copyrights. <laughs> yeah, Rocky Five plus Rocky Two equals Rocky Seven. Rocky Seven, Adrian's yeah. Revenge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Super Bowl 27. Okay, so it, uh, yeah, it's 17. Uh, yeah, 17. Right. 17. <laughs> Don't throw me off. 17 or 27? Pick one. One of the two. 17. I'm going to say go. 17. I'm going to go I'm going to say 17. Aren't they at 50 now or something? 50 something? Okay, well, maybe it was 27. Now. You can tell I'm a big sports fan. We'll see. <laughs> I do remember this, though. I do remember this whole thing of Martin Luther King. You know, I'm in Tucson. We grew up in Tucson. Yeah, I was going to ask for your input on that. Like, do you yeah, yeah it's, I totally remember. I I remember seeing this episode as soon as they said that line, well, except in Arizona. And <laughs> I remember, <laughs> and then I remember watching it. Like, it was like that little light switch in the back of your head. Like, oh, I remember this episode. Because I remember hearing that and laughing really loud. Because, yeah, it was... Arizona for the longest time was just kind of like, I mean, seen as kind of like this backwards, like yeah. racist place. Like who yeah. doesn't want a Martin Luther King day? Right. And part of it, it yeah, yeah. And part of it, it's kind of weird because we have weird other holidays in Tucson, uh, Arizona. Like we have rodeo days where we are like, you get a Thursday and Friday off. All the kids get Thursday and Friday <laughs> off and, and to go to the rodeo and huh. we don't get president's day off. Because of that. Really? Like, it's, yeah. And don't get, wow. uh, sometimes you don't get, like, uh, Columbus Day off, I think, as and well. Like spring break would be that. shorter a lot of right. times. Yeah, they like, have, like, be, yeah. So we just weird, have, like, weird stuff. Two days off for spring break or something. Because, yeah, we have to have rodeo days. We can't have Martin Luther King, but you can have. <laughs> Why not both? <laughs> and it's Why like, exactly. Why not both? It's like, just make the school year a little longer or something. Like, who cares? Do it for the kids. Uh, well, is it? <laughs> Isn't Arizona one of the only states that doesn't celebrate or, or uh, observe daylight savings? Yeah, we we oh. don't do that. Why we, we doesn't change our clocks? We just y'all just Ooh. gotta be so extra and different. Why? Well, <laughs> I gotta say, not changing your clock is awesome. That's yeah, because I can stay. You stay the same. I would like to not observe daylight savings time either. Aren't they going to do that? Or didn't they? Didn't they say they, that trying, they keep saying they're going to do it? You know, so and then they're it's something that what the Germans it created thing. it, right? I think it's not who did it. In World War One, I. I think it was oh. the Germans. Pretty it sure it started in Europe. I think somewhere. Yeah. yeah, wasn't it just because of like for farming and agricultural reasons? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, it's some weird. I think they were trying to save uh, lamp fuel or something. So they're like, oh, by making there'll be more daylight, and then. It doesn't actually save any money because people now you can just stay up all night anyway. You mm-hmm. know, it doesn't change anything. But it just stuck, <laughs> and then the companies took advantage of it, and now most, it's probably most never of you. I just boy. don't like getting up and going to work when it's dark. Yeah, I just don't like it. Yeah, that's that's. The I don't worst. blame you. <laughs> Arizona's just that weird black sheep out of all yep. the other states. <laughs> Definitely better. weird. That's for sure. We're better, but or luckily. <laughs> Luckily, we have Martin Luther King Day now, so that was the, yeah, at least that's they fixed good. that. Yeah, because of uh, Proposition three hundred. <laughs> is that right? Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. That's that's what you wrote here anyway. In nineteen ninety two, Proposition three hundred uh, would recognize it as a federal holiday. So it did pass, and the state did get to host the Super Bowl thirty in nineteen ninety six in Arizona. And temp yeah. is it temp Arizona? Tempe. 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 That's cute. Tempe. Tempe. Yeah. Which is weird. Yeah. Like 
I, I'm sure it should be like tempeh or something. That's like, what I, I don't was know like, what... yeah, is it tempeh or tempe? Tempe. That's well, and then Tucson, tempe. And Tuc- we say Tucson tempe. looks like Tucson looks like Tucson, mm-hmm. and yeah, uh, and I think we Saguaro. Yeah. You know, go figure. Like to how well, to spell I'm, that and uh, There's a lot of like I'll Spanish wait. words that will just Americanize. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm guessing tempeh. Tempe is yeah, probably Spanish supposed and, to be. Spanish and Native American words, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, well, just mixed like, in with Spanglish stuff. It's all, and, and then and it's like, oh, this is what we call it. Yeah, it's Tempe. <laughs> oh yeah, Massachusetts is kind of like that, except with English words. So like here in Massachusetts, instead of like Worcester, it sounds like Worcester, Worcester, but it's Worcester, and yeah, you know, Haverhill sounds like Haverhill, but it's Haverhill. <laughs> kind of similar strokes. That's interesting. <laughs> Uh, let's see. So rounding out the fun facts, um, going back to Wink Martindale. Uh, Wink Martindale is, an act, is actually an American disc jockey and a game show host who was featured on such shows as Gambit, Tic-Tac-Doe, High Rollers, and Debt. And as of recording, he is 89 years old and still with us, actually. And uh, there are a few nods to some of the show's crew members, as seen in some of the books in the lab. One of them is Quantum Hydraulics from uh, Paid in Press. Referencing director Audu Padel. Something from RM Publishers, which is referencing producer Rusty Mills. Something ending in ending in ticks, T-I-C-S. We can't read the whole thing. Uh, but I think maybe it's like Hastings, Hastings theorems. <laughs> mm. uh, which is a reference to producer Peter Hastings. So there's a few nods in there to some of the crew. I love it when shows do that, where they have like little references to the people who worked on it on the show. Same. If you actually look at around the 14-minute mark of the episode, uh, you'll actually see Adu Payton walking by. <laughs> he puts himself into a lot of these episodes, and he's one of the people. He's just if you ever see a blonde, curly-haired guy with a beard, that's him. That's Adu Payton. <laughs> oh, Wait, was hey. this during the um, when they're it's like doing wiggle the your fingers? Wiggle your, wiggle your fingers. Yeah, he's oh. one of the people walking down. It's on the right side of the screen. You'll oh, see Adu Payton. I'll have to oh, keep an eye out for that. So, yeah, he. Yeah, so yeah. Whenever I think he put himself into the episode so many times that they probably just became a generic character sheet uh, <laughs> model or something. But I know that I've talked to him a few times. Like he's, gosh, what what was the one where I I forget which one it was that the the brain was suing. Of oh, Mouse and Man company, Mouse and Man, yeah, mm-hmm. and Adu Payton is one of the members of the jury in there, and so yeah, <laughs> you, you you can see him, and yeah, he puts himself in whatever he can. That's funny. Now I'm gonna have to keep an eye out for that. I didn't know that that was him. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Uh, well, let's go over just a few things. Microsponge, that's Microsoft. It's a Seattle-based company. Bill Gates, of course, being a parody of Bill Gates. Uh, he's the founder, the CEO of Microsoft. I don't know, is he still one of the CEO? I don't know if he's retired, but he's definitely one of the wealthiest people in the world. I think he's semi-retired of some sort, but he's I think so. he's doing a lot of yeah, stuff. Yeah, I think so. And even even I think he got divorced, but even that, you know, even splitting up half of his money, that's when you know when you're rich. Yep. Uh-huh. You split up half your money and all of a sudden you're st- you're still one you're of the richest rich. people in the world. At least Bill Gates isn't doing a cage fight with like Elon yeah, Musk or Michael. I Biden heard about that the other day. <laughs> He's got better things to do. I heard about that and I just shook my head and just kept scrolling. I'm like, okay, moving on. The mice mentioned Gumby, of course. Gumby is that uh, green humanoid claymation character created by Art Cloakey. The pilot episode Gumbasia aired on the Howdy Doody show in 1955 and was so well received. 
that Gumby got his own TV show in 1956. The show aired new episodes in syndication, and the new episodes aired between 1960 and 1968. And there was a revival in 1988, which I watched all the time. <laughs> nice. Uh, coming home from school, watch Gumby. And there was a Gumby movie that had a limited theatrical release in 1995, but we had the VHS nice. of that. Yeah. And uh, I actually purchased recently a streaming copy of it <laughs> off of rifftracks.com. <laughs> nice. the yeah, they did a riff mystery. tracks of that. Yeah, they did a riff tracks of the Gumby movie, and it is uh, psychedelically bad. It is actually Art Clokey. I think I forget what I listened to a while ago, but he was he he, he was doing some stuff. Uh, <laughs> doing some of those Gumby. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I think there was some psychedelic use in some of those uh, Gumby uh, cartoons. Uh, That's just me. But anyway, uh, <laughs> of course. There, so that that came in 1995. Encouraged the cowardly dog creator John D, uh, John R. Dilworth was the animation consultant for that film, which um, doesn't surprise me because his animation yeah. style is so like out there and eccentric, but in like yeah. kind of an interesting way. Because I, I love Courage the Cowardly Dog. It's 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 one of my favorite shows. Yeah, I, I've seen just bits and pieces of Courage the Cowardly Dog, but uh, yeah, I've seen like have weird backgrounds and stuff like that of the stuff I've seen of it. I remember. I wonder how many people are even aware of Gumby these days, because like I think all of us remember that character growing up. But I wonder how in the public eye he is at this point. I don't know. Like I had little toys of Gumby and Pokey when I was a kid. I remember watching Gumby. It might have aired on Nickelodeon. It aired on yeah. something because I saw some of the the episodes too. It had so it had a, a bit of a resurgence in the mid nineties. In fact, I was going through an old VHS that I uh, of me going to. Uh, F.E.O. Schwartz in the 90s uh, with my high school group. Hmm. And we went to F.E.O. Schwartz and there's a huge Star Wars display and a huge Gumby display. <laughs> All these different Gumby bendems and everything like that. And uh, I also had a little bit of footage of me going to the Warner Brothers store <laughs> cool. in Times Square, too. because yeah, I miss that so, store. Good stuff. Me, too. I miss that store. <laughs> well, Snowball for Windows, uh, which I just thought was just like, okay, that's cute i don't know what he's talking about but snowball for windows that's a reference to programming language uh small string processing programming language designed for creating stemming algorithms for use uh information for use information retrieval hmm. this name this name snowball was chosen to reference the snowball s-n-o-b-o-l programming language which hmm. was developed by at&t bell Labert, bell labs from 1962 to 1967 David Farmer, Ralph E. Griswold, and Ivan P. Plonsky. Snowball is an acronym refers to string-oriented and symbolic language. So the N really work and for that. the O are capitalized there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an acronym that you get to, you have to really kind of pick and choose which letters that you're going to pick to make it make sense. That's uh, really whatever. interesting. I'm going to have to tell this back <laughs> to my husband because he's like, he's done some programming and is really technically savvy. So he'd probably find this, this little factoid kind of funny. <laughs> I wonder if those, I wonder if that's, that must have been like with punch cards back in the 1960s or something. Was. That programming language. Anyway. Yeah. Well, Nathan, what else we got? Yeah. Oh, um, well, Pinky Land, they say. It's probably a nod to Disneyland. Uh, they also, what? it's, what's that? What's the, what's that? Pinky Disneyland? Land? Oh, Disneyland. Oh, Disneyland. Yeah. Disneyland 
is uh, this terrible Disneyland place is your land where they try to. I don't know. No, it's it's the happiest place on earth, and or so they say. That's what they yeah. say. <laughs> Whoever they are. Also, the game Snowball Says. Well, him saying Snowball Says is a reference to Simon Says. Of course, it's that child's game where you know if you say Simon Says, then you got to do it. But otherwise, don't do it if they don't say Simon Says. <laughs> the 1941 classic Orson Welles film Citizen Kane was referenced in the episode more than once. First was the scene where the camera starts on the no trespassing sign and it pans up to the the mansion at the top of the mountain. There's a single lit window and you fade in and then uh, you're extremely close up on Pinky's face and he says brain and then he drops that glove. So we talked about that a bit. Mm-hmm. But in the movie, they say Rosebud, which mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to spoil what that is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Spoilers. Something. No spoilers. Don't look at the beginning of some Animaniacs episodes. Yeah. Oh, they did <laughs> that that away. Yeah. <laughs> Citizen Kaney. Uh, there's another scene where Pinky's doing a children's puzzle and he's trying to have a normal conversation with Snowball, who is arrogant and berates Pinky. Uh, this references the scene in Citizen Kane where he's arguing with his second wife, Susan, while she is solving a jigsaw puzzle in their dark and spacious mansion. And then I also found out which cartoon had the mouse that was trying to eat itself. Oh. Or get eaten by a cat, and that was Chuck Jones's cheese catcher. Oh, I'm glad like, you found it. So oh, that's the, so awesome. cool. The mouse yeah. doesn't want to eat the cheese. The cat doesn't want to eat the mouse. The dog then doesn't want to eat the cat, and then the, <laughs> so the dog tries to go to the caught by. The, <laughs> they try to get ahead. Yeah, the, the, so he's running after the dog catcher, and then the cat's running after the dog to get eaten, and so. <laughs> I'm glad you it's found a silly, it. <laughs> it's a silly one. That's cool. Although I was gonna say, like, how dark would it have been, it would have been if like Pinky dies after dropping the snow globe, like they did with the opening of Citizen Kane? Oh yeah, <laughs> that, <would have> <laughs> that would have been that would have been bad. Uh, to continue with some of these these little interesting um, tidbits, uh, Brain shouting victoriously in the rain is a nod to the Shawshank Redemption, and then Pinky going bang zoom right in the is a nod to the Honeymooners as he references Ralph Cramden's favorite catchphrase bang zoom right in the kisser which is also referenced in the first pinky in the brain cartoon when big and that's where brain puts on his suit and plays jip parody Mm -hmm. which is one of my favorites (laughs) and he gets really befuddled and he says who is pinky when he comes up across that clue so (laughs) i like how brain's wearing the mechanical suit as he's fighting out with snowball so that kind of ties in with when big yeah Yeah, you're right i didn't even think of that and then this one's interesting too. Snowball's orange pilot suit he wears to control the Bill Great's mechanical suit resembles the rebel pilot uniform from Star Wars. <laughs> and the red and yellow version of his mechanical suit resembles Iron Man's suit. See, I saw that it could either be the rebel suit or it looked also kind of like a David Warner's outfit in Tron. Yeah. A little bit. A little bit, I, yeah. It could also be a Tron. Yeah, it kind of looked like right in between. Like, is that a? Yeah, it's definitely robotic looking. It could go either way, it but could. definitely an Iron Manish looking thing. Which, honestly, before Robert Downey Jr. movie came out, I don't think many people knew about Iron yeah, Man. Yeah, so. because like Iron Man's kind of like a lower tier character at the time. Because right, you know, as compared to like Spider Man or yeah. the X Men. Yeah. Obviously, it was X Men and Spider Man. 
And then if you knew about the Avengers, then you would know about Iron Man. But, but like, even that I was like, really you know knew about Captain the America. Yeah, yeah. Captain America, like, you would know without the, the Avengers. Yeah. The Hulk, you can yeah. know without the Avengers. But Iron Man's like, he's only known for the Avengers, I think, is basically. Like- <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So it, that's a, it. And I got to say that that whole kind of fight right there is a kind of Iron Man versus the brain, it kind of look, almost looked like if Iron Man were fighting James Bond or something like that, <laughs> except James Bond didn't have a, a super pen. It was just a pen. Yeah, just a regular pen. <laughs> just, I thought the pen was a regular pen. something too. Exactly. I thought he was like off. pointing out like, yeah, it really looked like a James Bond kind of moment. Like he'll yeah. switch the pen and it will shoot something. <laughs> but no, it was just or, the pen. Even when he threw it, I thought maybe it would get stuck in a, gun or something but no it just bounces off of him too it's not even- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i like how it plays with your expectations it's like yeah i thought it was gonna go for the pen is mightier than the sword and then it would do something <laughs> but it just does nothing at all <laughs> pen is mightier than the sword <laughs> i love that bit oh yeah and then rounding out the fun facts uh the climax of the episode is a reference to the climax of the 1959 alfred hitchcock film north by northwest from the mice fighting snowball on top of Mount Rushmore, which is sort of the climactic set piece of the movie. Additionally, where Pinky's pulling up Brain from Mount Rushmore, and then you have that abrupt scene transition over to Acme Labs, references the final moments in the movie, where Carrie Grant's character, Roger Thornhill, is trying his hardest to pull Ava Marie Saint's character, Eve Kendall, up as she's hanging on for dear life on the edge of Mount Rushmore. But as she's being pulled up, there's this really bizarre scene transition. It's like it cuts over to him pulling her up on the bed while they're inside of a train roomette, where it's revealed that the, uh, through their attire that the two got married and the train f- heads full speed into a tunnel, which is sort of an amusing little innuendo. And that kind of adds another layer to the Brinky stuff. <laughs> Well, it's definitely, you know, instead of the train tunnel, it's the mail slot, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're inserting something in yeah. there, so. <laughs> I always wondered, like, was that jump cut, like, was that planned? Like, did he intend for it to be like that? Or was it just kind of like, he had a vision, but the way it came out just didn't really, <laughs> didn't really work. Yeah, no, it, oh. it's, a, it's a direct reference to the movie. No, I know. Yeah. I just wonder if in North by Northwest, like, did he mean for it to really jump cut that hard? Or <laughs> or was this supposed to be a bit of a smoother transition? Because, like, I like what he's going for, but man, that jump cut really hits too hard. I'd have to see it again. It's been so many years since I've seen North by Northwest. It uh, has it's been... a long movie, too. It it's is very, long... isn't it? Isn't it like almost like three hours long? I want to uh, say it's. I could check. It's a good two yeah. and a half at least. I think. Like, yeah, I love the it feels movie. like a two and a half. Hour. Yeah, I, I remember seeing it when I was like, you know, somewhere in middle school and just liking the film. But also, mm-hmm. yeah, when I tried to watch it again recently, I was like, well, this movie's kind of long. It is long. good movie, but yeah, but yeah, I don't think I got to that transition to see it. But yes, I remember. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that. yeah, it's a little over two hours. It's an hour and thirty six minutes. Okay, it's not that bad. Yeah, it's not too bad. Yeah, we've got a lot of superhero movies that are longer than that, so. <laughs> but yeah, I'd forgotten that that jump cut, because like when I watched the snowball again, I'd, I'd forgotten that that jump cut was re- was uh, referencing North by Northwest, because it had been so long since I'd seen the movie that I forgot there was that really, that really abrupt transition. It's definitely a famous transition. I think they even do it in one of my favorite Mel Brooks films, High Anxiety. Where at the very end, they go, you're going to, you know, they do the same thing where 
they uh, pull him up at the end and sh- they get married at the end. Okay. I've never yeah, seen so, my anxiety. I feel bad. Uh, so ch- <laughs> I need yeah, to his see name's it. Richard Thorndike, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of my favorite Mel Brooks ones. I need uh, to yeah, see it. Yeah, it's so, so I, good. For sure. I've been meaning to catch that one because yeah. I do, I adore uh, Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein. So yes. that's kind of on my to do list. Yeah. It, it's it's definitely one of Mel Brooks's very yeah, I probably you know, highlights put a top for me. Three, I don't know. Yeah, I I will continually quote it anytime. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just say, is it really necessary? Uh, that's I'll just say that is a very quotable really moment. Nessa. And you'll have to find it. It is Nessa. Yeah. And then they don't do that tell again. Me, and, what's uh, Nessa? Stole it for the <laughs> producers' movie. Yeah, musical. Yeah, they did. Yes. Yeah, that's Mel Brooks steals his. Mel yeah, Brooks steals his was, own stuff. Yeah, but yeah, that, that was originally in 1968, joke. so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, rounding out the fun facts. In this episode, Acme Labs is located in New York. As evidenced in the envelope that Brain receives at the end with the stamp money, which is addressed to Mr. Brain, Acme Labs, New York, New York, 10005. And that zip code is around the Wall Street area of New York, so, you know, <laughs> he's financially sound there. Ooh. <laughs> The Mouse of Wall Street. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the Acme Labs locations kind of vary depending on like what episode because Doss Mouse also has the lab set in New York Mm because we see in the climax or like kind of the ship runs through New York City. Yes, that's right. And it's like past the Brooklyn Bridge and such. And then the Christmas episode obviously is set in like a snowy area. And then... Episodes like Brain Noir or But That's Not All Folks establishes Acme Labs in the Los Angeles area. It's wherever the plot needs it to be. Exactly. Sometimes they're not even in the lab and they're kind of like out there. There's other Acme Labs, like there's one in Russia. And there's yeah, and one like in, in Tokyo. Yeah, there's one in Tokyo. There's there's an alien version of Acme Labs. All right, cool. Well, that's all the fun facts. So I guess we will go on to like our thoughts on the episode and what we what we think of it overall so joey why don't we start with you well i really 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 like this episode it's been forever since i saw this one i know that would we originally did the pinking the brain halloween episode we saw snowball and we were talking like yeah i remember the snowball i remember him as like the antithesis or you know <laughs> to brain you know so <laughs> the, uh as the, the foil but it was nice to see this episode again because it, it's been literally decades since I've seen this. Wow. Uh, but very funny episode. Enjoyed it quite a bit. I, I guess the only thing I've ever criticized it is that, is that it was that the uh, action scene, I think, at the end might have gone a little too long, I think. Uh, or maybe could have used a little punch up with some jokes, perhaps mm. some verbal some verbal stuff. And the only reason I, not- I noticed that really a lot was... A lot of times I'll watch the episode closely once or twice by actually watching it. And then uh, I'll listen to the episode in, on my phone <laughs> just to listen <laughs> to the jokes so I can hear it. And That's a good idea. the last couple minutes, it's just ah, ah, yeah. <laughs> like, OK, well, that could have probably needed some jokes right there. <laughs> but that's that's me. Nathan, what do you what do you think? Um, I think Kinky is the genius again in this episode because he's he the certainly one. did do something. Yeah, yeah, he he broke the machine. Oh, you know, like there you go. Brain's insane, of course, as he tries to get eaten by cats. Uh, so <laughs> I mean, he was he was in a down period. So it's like... Yeah, I don't know. 
but he's not sane in that period. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm really, yeah, I, I I do remember enjoying a snowball uh, as a kid just, and then mostly because it also brings back the mech suits, which as a kid, I was always like very excited to see brain, a, a tiny head, big, big body. (laughs) <laughs> and I think we've talked about it before, but has have I mean that is a perfect cosplay thing, you know, right? Has have people done <laughs> yeah. that? I mean, I, there's got to be people have cosplayed as the brain in a mech suit, right? I've never seen it anyone like, do it, but it seems like I could you could do that, right? I mean, you just put one of those little plush brains on top of your head and then just <laughs> yeah, and walk you have to around see through. I feel like if David Byrne could wear that inflatable suit like he did in the Stop Making Sense, like I feel like somebody could do that with the, totally. the brain. <laughs> I mean, if I'm going to cosplay, I'll do that because that sounds fun. You should do it. That would all. be an intense mech cosplay suit. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I tried to Google it, but I didn't see anything. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I want to find a picture. What, what do you guys have to take up the mantle now? Yeah, some of it. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, it was just a very, I liked having the jokes too. There's lots of fun little uh, jokes between Brady and Pinky. And <laughs> multiple times, I'm like, hee hee hee. Nice. How about you, Kelly? What do you think of it? Oh, I enjoyed it. I um, I always like to see Brain in his chip parody suit, <laughs> and and I like the the kind of departure from the norm where you know at the end he says we're gonna we'll, we'll try to do this the thing we didn't try to do today is, is tomorrow we'll take try to take over the world, and it was kind of fun to see him be thwarted in some new and exciting ways with an antagonist rather than like I think Pinky says to him, you know, usually your plans kind of fall apart on their own and now someone else is doing it for you. <laughs> and um so I, I like I liked a lot of that. Yeah, that was kind of a cool twist. How about you, Pines? Oh, did you want to go first or <laughs> I can if you want. <laughs> Cause I, I have a lot to say you about this episode. Okay. I'll go first then and then you can end it off with a bang. We'll do. Yeah, this is a fun episode I th- I think Snowball makes for a great villain. I love that he was a recurring one. I really miss Roddy McDowell and uh, wish we could have gotten more of him, you know, in today. But uh, what we did get was really fun. I think he played a great Snowball. Loved hearing him perform that character and seeing him recurring. I kind of like, I love any kind of backstory with Brain where we see what things were like in his childhood and the early days of him at the lab with Snowball. So I think that makes for... Um, a really interesting backstory, and uh, I like the fact that they established this interesting friendship between the two, uh, where it's kind of like, you know, stuff is like the Moriarty to his Holmes kind of. The classic friends to enemies trope. Yeah, this, yeah, friends to enemies, this frenemies thing, where it's like, you know, they were friends in the past, but then something happened, and so there's still kind of a thing there, but not really. So I kind of like, I thought that was interesting. I love all the movie jokes, of course, the nods to Citizen Kane, to North by Northwest, etc. And yeah, just kind of some of the twists, you know, seeing Brain at a really low low and each character in an interesting situation that they have to get through. So that was interesting. And of course, I really love the the juxtaposition of Brain against the billboard where he's like, I have to save my world. And, <laughs> and talking about whether that's the world or Pinky is kind of left up to the viewer uh, but Aww. I thought that was kind of cute. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now, now now you go, Points. I know you got a lot to say. Yeah, I, I I enjoy this episode a lot. There's a lot to like here. I thought the writing was really strong. 
I especially love the premise of the mice having to save the world. Like, introducing Snowball in the mix was a really smart way of mixing up the formula. It kind of saves the show from becoming stale in that regard, because it's like, by having like an antagonist in there, it still has like the world domination thing because Snowball also wants to take over the world, but it also adds a lot of layers to like the characters and the relationship. Mm-hmm. It kind of spices it up. Yeah, it spices it up. It's a nice spice <laughs> to the, a nice mix to the formula. I like the jokes. I like things like Pinky describing Snowball poorly. It's <laughs> yeah. just like, you know, just normal features. He's got and then brings me like, <laughs> very descriptive. <laughs> uh, the Wink Martindale Day joke kind of laugh out of me too. <laughs> Snowball saying, if Brain told you to eat dirt, would you do it? And Pinky be like, oh, I don't need Brain's permission to do that. <laughs> And then the thing with Gumby was got like the biggest laugh out of me because it's just like <laughs> Pinky assumes like, oh, Gumby. But then I like how Brain doesn't outright dismiss Pinky. He's just like, no, as famous as he is, he's not involved in profit participation, <laughs> which I thought was like a little clever way to tell Pinky, no, Gumby's not involved. <laughs> I think the one criticism I have of the episode is just Acom's animation. I don't want to be too hard. Everybody's trying their best. Um, I know that the animation gets like a little wonky at times, but like sometimes it kind of leads to like unintentionally funny moments, like that act one blackout with brain scowling at the end. It's like he's about to say something, but then it cuts to black <laughs> or like some of Snowball's smug expressions. Yeah. <laughs> some good animation of lightning, though. <laughs> there was a lot of yeah, great lightning true. animation. Yeah, there was some good there was some good stuff in there too. And like, uh, you know, the the mech fight was pretty like well set. The action reads. Yeah, I really like how the episode manages to balance both the humor and some interesting little character drama in there. I like how like Snowball being introduced like as mentioned earlier as he was Brain's friend when he was younger, but then, you know, they had a falling out. Although the falling out part was like a little ambiguous. You know, I kind of wish they kind of went in a little bit more on that, but, you know, oh well, that's what fanfic is for. But, <laughs> but, you know, I like how it establishes that Snowball is basically a dark reflection of Brain, because Snowball is, like, far more manipulative, and he uh, doesn't really value friendship the way that Brain does, because Snowball's, like, preying on Pinky, and he just preys on his vulnerabilities by, like, bribing him, cornering him when he's alone feeding him lies about, like, Brain's just using you, you know, he doesn't care about you at all. So then when Brain makes this sarcastic remark, Pinky misinterprets misinterprets the sarcasm. But Snowball keeps Pinky around, but, like, but that was only as a way to spite Brain. Like, after a while, Snowball just grew tired of Pinky, just doesn't really care about him. He's basically more as, like, a tool in a bargaining chip rather than, like, a friend. Whereas Brain... What I like about Brain is that even though there are bumps in the relationship, Brain does care about Pinky. And I think we see that in the climax where Pinky, he, after he's slinking away, Brain comes to his rescue. And, and when Snowball asks what do you want, Brain says, my friend and my world. <laughs> so I thought that was really nice. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah, because I like that whole like ambiguity with like Brain's conflating Pinky with his world. Yeah, I like that too. And I, I like what you mentioned about Snowball being kind of a flip uh, of Brain. It's like, this is what Brain could have been. 
if he had like been in an accident in the in the gene splicer, or like brain, if he doesn't have a pinky in his life, so or that yeah, because that's what I always saw it as. What I like about this episode is that Brain values friendship, mm-hmm. as we see in the flashback. With Brain obviously cares about Snowball, but then something happened in the relationship, and I like how in Welcome to the Jungle kind of follows through with that. Yeah, I love that. He does care about Snowball. He's like, Snowball, you need help. Let me help you out. And then Snowball refuses. Quickly, Snowball, take my hand. Thanks. No, thanks, Brain. I don't need your... He still cares about him. Yeah, he still cares about him. Obviously, Brain very much cares about Pinky. As he he does come back for him. And I like how Brain somehow managed to steal a suit from the moving company. <laughs> yeah, I wondered that too. <laughs> yeah, it's like a nice way of him just taking the suit just to like retrieve Pinky and basically fight against Snowball. <laughs> and also, um, I like how a world ruled by Snowball is just a bad case scenario because <laughs> basically everybody's kind of just like uh, regressed like yeah. mentally because they're like, Snowball has a very childish way of wielding power. Mm-hmm. To the point where his name and face, like, is on every building. He does, like, Simon says, but it's Snowball says, just to assert his authority. I mean, Brain's ideas of ruling the world weren't much better, some of them. (laughs) But Snowball's, I think, are worse. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's it's true. Well, Snowball's the supervillain, right? Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, whenever in the reboot, they always tell about, you know, they, I think, miscategorize the Brain as wanting to be a supervillain. It's like, He's not a supervillain now. No. Snowball, no. however. Snowball, and I think you're right with the whole, like, the absence of Pinky is a big factor in that. But Snowball is trying to be a supervillain. Like, he he is very much like, I will take over the world and, you know, destroy anybody who gets in my way or manip- I'll manipulate everybody around me to get my way. Yeah. The brain, I think, wants to rule it, but it, and he would, but yes, he would. No, does his the methods are are different? Yeah, because yeah, like the spinoff establishes that Brain does want to rule the world so that way he can make it a better place. Right. Because Megalomaniacs Anonymous from season two kind of establishes that because he's like, if I rule the world, people won't step on over the little guy because that's like his motivation. Like he wants to make it better for everybody who's kind of just been marginalized or just been pushed around. So he's kind of looking out for. People like Pinky, so that's kind of more of a sympathetic trait there. Yeah, Braid at least has, you know, he has good intentions at least, whereas Snowball is very much just out for himself and himself only. And mm-hmm. I'm with you, I'm with you, Joey, on, I didn't I didn't like either how in the reboot they a couple times kind of categorized Braid as a supervillain, even though it was for the joke. I was like, no, he's not a supervillain, he's kind of more of an anti-hero. He doesn't, you know, he's not looking to gain out of it what Snowball, you know, was going for. Yeah, I saw him more as like an anti-hero kind of a character um, and not really a supervillain. So I thought that was yeah. kind of a weird classification <laughs> that they put on him in the reboot. I was like, no, he's he's not really that. Yeah, he doesn't really want to destroy the world or, yeah. Like, yeah, he doesn't right. want to destroy and, it. Because <laughs> that's the thing. Snowball is literally taking the hammer and trying to yeah. destroy the world. Like, that to me is like, yeah, that is super villainy right there. That is, yeah. Yeah. I'll get my way and I'll destroy whoever's in my, you know, 
whatever yeah. country or whatever. So I don't know way. what, yeah, what was his plan to destroy the world? Because he took over the world and he just kind of like smoking around that bubbles. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, it like, I don't know. No. <laughs> but also, yeah. The, what was the what was the scale of Pinky Land, by the way? Was that a giant like was that a that giant was, theme park well, or was to that a mouse a... to a mouse it would be? <laughs> okay. It was a mouse sized theme park. Just want to get that out of the way. Okay, good. Like okay. it's localized or... inside of Microsponge. Okay, okay. <laughs> Just wanted to so, make yeah, sure it's the probably scale like was in right. a room. It's probably a okay. whole room. Yeah. In cool, cool. I think I heard a lot room. of I heard a lot of crowds <laughs> right there. So those must be other mice, perhaps. I don't know. There was there was or, a lot of stuff. That has to be like like speakers. Like speakers yeah. emulating crowds. There's, no there's no cool. line, Joey. There's no line yeah. at the Chilta World. Yes, this yeah. is true. Okay, good, good, good. Okay, just wanted to make sure we we got through that before we wrap things up completely. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, no, I like how this episode is another good indicator that both mice care about each other because even though Pinky does get the theme park, as earlier in the episode, he's kind of feeling anxious about Snowball's trying to like egg at, at him on the idea that Brain's only using you and. You know, and then even Pinky, when he's trying to connect with Snowball, Snowball just he's he's like, "You're a fool. I'm only using you. You you mean nothing to me." But then Brain, you know, also goes through a down period as well because you know he's living out on the streets. You know, Acme Labs is no more, and but then everything kind of comes full circle because Brain, you know, he's got to save his world, so he comes back for Pinky, and I like that because like Pinky's super elated when Brain shows up. He's cheering him on. And then Pinky delivering the final blow at the end is such a cool move because it kind of showcases that Pinky wants to help out Brain, but also it's kind of proving Snowball wrong because Snowball is kind of like devaluing Pinky's intelligence throughout the whole thing. He's like, nope. He's like, you know, checkmate, sucka. And then obviously Pinky coming in to save Brain at the end, pulling him up was cute too. So yeah, so I, I liked it. I liked how it kind of experiments with tone a little bit. Like you have a somber end of the second act, beginning of the third act, but then it makes that triumphant climactic confrontation against Snowball all the more cathartic, in my opinion. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> and also, just one really stray observation. I doubt that this was intentional, but I like how Baby Brain enjoyed tickling Snowball during the flashback. It kind of reminds me, again, to that scene in uh, Talladega Mice, the Ballad of Pinky Brainy, where they're in the car and they have the tickle fight. And Brain's oh, just like, yeah. oh, all right, tickle, tickle. And I'm like, okay. I was thinking like, of that, cute. too. <laughs> I wonder if that was a reference. Snowball and I became fast friends. I could always make him laugh. Ha-ha, <laughs> 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 tickle fight! Is this absolutely necessary? Oh, all right. <laughs> tickle, tickle. <laughs> 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 Probably not, but that was cute though. Maybe not, but I think that's a cool little coincidence because it's yeah. like Braid likes tickling people. It's in character. <laughs> yeah. A lot of simpler times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the, yeah, that's all I got to say. You know, Snowball's a really great episode. I love it. All right, cool. So now let's move to the NARF ratings. Alrighty. The Pinky, the Pinky, and the Brain, 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 Brain. NARF! So I am going to give Snowball 10 narfs out of 10. And I will give it 7 narfs out of 10. I will give it 9 out of 10. Nice. nice. Yeah, I'll do this. I say 9 out of 10 narfs. Cool. I'll do 8 <laughs> out of 10. 8 out of 10. Out of 10. Right. Oh, nice. So we got 
Ratings all across the board. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. But at least in the higher range, that's for certain. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like good good to great. That's, that's exactly. you know that you a got minus. a really solid episode yeah. on your hands. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and now to word of the day. Woo. Yep, your favorite. My favorite. So um, the brain's word for this episode that's mentioned in the end credits is Cineput, which is spelled S-I-N-C-I-P-U-T. And it's defined as the forehead. <laughs> and I'm assuming that they picked that word specifically because it applies to Snowball's massive forehead. I assume so. Or brains. <laughs> Probably yeah, Snowball's, though. Snowball's is, like, bigger. He's, like, you it know, is. Mount Everest of a forehead. <laughs> and uh, the word that I picked for this episode is Nudnik, which is spelled N-U-D-N-I-K. And it refers to a person who is a bore or a nuisance. And my sentence that I've created is, although Snowball enlisted Pinky as vice dictator, the evil hamster only views Pinky as a nunnick for constantly bringing up brain. <laughs> I don't think I've heard that word before. It sounds like something an Ewok would say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Well, let's go to uh, contact info and uh, social media plugs. Yeah, so since you are our guest, do you want to plug your contacts first? Yeah. Animaniacast is uh, it's a podcast and it's on podcast players and we're on various social media things as the Animaniacast. So you could check that out. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and some other random things as we see fit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, go check them out. Their podcast is really fun. Yeah, we talk about the Animaniacs. If that was it. Oh, yeah, we should probably say that. <laughs> if the title, we, you know. We mentioned it yeah, somewhere. But. And I totally for, I, for, I totally uh, regretted to, to not put something out, but we just, it's, we've just done seven years of podcasting. Holy cow. Animaniacs. Oh, happy birthday. Which is awesome. kind of insane. Talk about what's, you know. Insaney. Genius and insaney. Yeah, totally insaney. <laughs> and Larry. Seven years. Well, Larry, it's so yeah. funny because I was, I was just talking with, with like, uh, I think, Tom or Paul about this when I was at Des Moines Con with them and how when you originally started this podcast, it was like, well, this will be not that bad because it's what, 99 episodes in a movie? In a movie, yeah. That'll take us a year or two, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then we'll be done. But then it just, the reboot came out and then the, and then we got yep. to start getting get writers. People that you get, writers. yeah, interview and yeah. Before you know it, we're, we're still doing stuff. So there you go. That's us. Well, there's so much <laughs> so much yeah. content to cover. I mean, you guys cover more than we do. You cover Animaniacs and Pinky in the Brain. And I think you guys have covered Tiny Toons a little bit as well. Tiny Toons yeah. and Freakazoid. Freakazoid, Yes. Yeah. We've gotten... Have we gotten through the first season of Freakazoid? Or we're just I about think, to... No, I think we I finished... Think, I think we did the season finale of yes. season one. But I don't yeah, think we I did... Think, did we do see? I'm trying to think if we did the first episode of season two yet. So I don't know. That we're, we're, we're going we chronologically. We're yeah, wrapping think, up reviews of uh, the reboot, and so we're going to get back into our rotation of like a Tiny yeah, Toons, we a, have a Pinky the Brain, and a Freakazoid. Four nice. more episodes, I think, of this most re- of the last season of the newest. Yeah, and then we're kind of like we may or may not talk about individual episodes of the new Tiny Toon show. We just we don't know. We'll do at least one. <laughs> We'll see how that goes. Yeah, but we're not. Yeah, that one. That one's iffy. (laughs) If you want to reach out to me, Nathan, I'm on Twitter all the time. Django FT. uh, That's me. It's so easy to to 
<laughs> you can definitely right. follow Nathan. <laughs> no guarantees if you're going to be able to see any tweets from him, but he's there. Yeah. I tweeted like five years ago, seven yeah. years ago, when we first got the. No. <laughs> and I'm on Twitter, uh, Yoda Princess, Y O D A P R N C S S. And I actually do tweet fairly yeah. often, yes, or at least I retweet. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the retweets. Nice. Anything Spielberg related, that's Kelly. Or John Williams. John Williams. Right <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> Kelly. That reminds me. Are you excited for the new Indiana Jones movie? I am. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm curious to see how it is and what direction they go. And, and I've tried to avoid, you know, spoilers as best I can. And But yeah, I mean, I just love Harrison Ford and I love the character and, and it's got a new John Williams soundtrack. So that's, that's enough to, to bring me to the theater. So we'll see what's up. <laughs> nice. I, I'm right there with you on that, Kelly. Yeah. And obviously we have stuff to plug too. So you can email us to the at gmail.com and that's T H E P O I T C A S T at gmail.com. And we would be more than happy to read aloud what you have to say, so long as it's respectful. And you can also find Poitcast on Twitter. Our handle is at Poitcast. And on Tumblr, poitcast.tumblr.com. And also, um, as of recording, we're also reaching a birthday because Poitcast will oh, turn yeah. two years old as of July 5th. You're right. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. It's been almost two years already. My goodness. Yeah, yeah. How time flies. I know. We still yeah. have a lot left to go, too. Not, not as much in scope, but... Still a lot of interesting things to cover. Yep. Yeah, and you can also find us individually on the internet. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is at MJ Herlihy. That's MJ underscore H-E-R-L-I-H-Y. And on Tumblr, my username is uh, Pinestraws, which is P-I-N-E-S hyphen T-R-O-Z. And you can find me on Twitter at Michike. That's M-I-T-C-H-E-K-I-E. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this episode of The Podcast. And next time, we'll go back to the Animaniacs reboot and discuss All's Fair and Love and Door. Awesome. But for now, Pluto and I must return to the lab to prepare for the next episode. Why, Pines? What are we going to do next episode? The same thing we do every episode, Pluto. And Joey and Nathan and Kelly. Talk about Pinky and the Brain! They're Pinky, they're Pinky and the Brain, 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 Brain. The podcast was created for entertainment, educational, and informational purposes only. It is not endorsed by Warner Brothers Studios or Amblin Entertainment. All characters, sounds, and images related to Pinky and the Brain, Animaniacs, Pinky Elmira and the Brain, and other Warner Brothers properties and trademarks are copyrighted their respective holders. The opinions of the host, co-host, and any podcast guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Warner Brothers Studios or Amblin Entertainment.